uh, which are terrible children names. <laughs> Don't name your kids these things. I mean, they name their kids Sword, Shield, and Dagger, so... <laughs> yeah, Lance, Lance, Shield, and Dagger. Yeah, Lance, Shield, and Dagger. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> it's okay. Welcome to Evening with an Artist, a podcast created by students for students, where animation junkies Jordan and Rich geek out about animation, interview industry professionals, and ask the questions you want answered. I'm Rich, and I love cartoons. I'm Jordan, and I make cartoons. Welcome to our episode on Maya and the Three, the limited series on Netflix, created and directed by Jorge Gutierrez. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to review the entire series in this one episode. That's right. Maya and the Three is a limited uh, series on that you can find on Netflix. Obviously, we're going to be getting into all the spoilers and everything we say is our own opinion. So yes. just be aware of that before you listen. But big spoiler alert. Watch it yeah. before you listen to this. <laughs> exactly. Unless you really don't want to watch it and you just want someone to tell you everything that happens, then you're in the right place. Exactly. We're going to go over it really quickly. We're going to talk about production. We're going to talk about the story and plot synopsis, predictions and stuff that we had. We're going to go over the characters, the animation style, uh, principles at play, and the moon and the theme of the general show itself. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun be, time. It's going to be great. It's, it's going to be, be great. awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited. So do you want to hit it off with the plot summary real quick? Yeah, so real quick plot synopsis. Try to keep it as quick as possible because a lot of things happen and they happen in weird orders. And so we're just going to try and break it down. So the premise is that there's this prophecy in this made-up Mesoamerican-inspired land, world. Uh, And there's, there's a prophecy that this great eagle warrior with these three jaguar warriors will come together to defeat the Lord of the Underworld. So this prophecy is very big in this one kingdom of Tekka, which is where our, our title characters are all from. There are four lands in this, in this place. There's the Tekken kingdom. There's the uh, Luna islands, which are basically on the moon. Yeah. There's the jungle lands. Yes. And it's mountains? the yes, the, yeah, the, the mountains, yeah, the barbarian mountains, the barbarian mountains. Sure. That's We're right. gonna call them that. And then there's also the underworld, which is a fifth place, but that's yeah. a different place. So yeah, so there's the prophecy that this is going to happen. Very early on, we find that that's not the true prophecy. When someone comes to tell our title character Maya that she's going to be taken and sacrificed to the to the Lord of the Underworld. Mm-hmm go off to fight and try and close the gate to the underworld and are quickly dispatched. And it turns out that the real prophecy is that this Eagle warrior will find three warriors to, to go along with them. And so they're not all Jaguars. It turns out there's a rooster and there's a skull Skull. and there's a Puma. A Puma. And that's uh, where things yeah (laughs) so uh yeah so basically the prophecy um which maya deems is all about her um is that she is the eagle warrior and she has to go collect these warriors to bring an end to the lords of the underworld and bring like peace and prosperity back to humanity 
Which it seems to have already. It, it basically was in harmony up until her quinceanera, where at her coronation she found out that the the Lord, the God of War of the Underworld, wanted to sacrifice her. We find out much later the reason for the sacrifice is for on his side is he will whoever sacrifices Maya, who turns out to be half god, half human, um, becomes basically like the most powerful god of all. And Lord uh, McClan is obsessed with power. So he wants to sacrifice Maya for himself. His wife, Lady Mikde, long ago, who was fearful of um, her husband's power, decided to... Lust for more power. Yes. She decided to have this demigod child. She decided to have Maya. So she actually had Maya with the Tekken king. King Tekka. King Tekka. So they yes. had an affair. So she like wooed him. Yeah. Through battle. Yeah. Yeah. She had Maya. So the original idea was she was trying to have Maya for her to sacrifice for herself. So she could be stronger than her husband and she wouldn't have to be afraid of him. But then of course, once she was pregnant and had given birth, she fell in love with Maya and she decided that she would give her to the Tekkas to keep her safe and she convinced her husband that this was a good idea because she convinced him that waiting until her 15th birthday would mean that she would be even more powerful and thus an even greater sacrifice yeah so he would just be all powerful the majority of the series is maya searching for the warriors from the different lands she's gathering them up she meets a lot of uh, gods that are sent from the underworld on the way trying to stop her and it all comes to a close at the end when, of course, she's head-to-head with Lord Miklan. Yes. Uh, yes, she runs into all these gods because Lord Miklan basically sends them all out to collect her. And they all try in their own ways to collect her. And most of them have secret plans to sacrifice her themselves so that they can get the power. But it never ends up that way. Yeah. All right, cool. So we'll leave the plot synopsis at that. It's very fast, but obviously you've already seen it. What drives the story? What is the main story engine behind this? It was basically, I mean, I I will say, like, I want to point out, like, a very, like, big theme in the story is, like, that of, like, honor. Like, honor and battle and stuff. It's something that one of the characters, which we'll talk about, Zad's Lord of Bats, uh, Prince of Bats, Prince sorry. Of Bats. Prince of Bats. You know, he always talks about fighting honorably and... You know, all of the warrior, warriors of Tekka and everyone is, they're all about being an honorable warrior and like fighting for a good cause and the glory of battle and all of that. Um, In terms of what Maybe. drives the story, Maybe. I don't know. That was one theme that like was pretty prevalent, at least in the beginning of the story. I definitely series. agree that Zats is, is that honorable. Uh, Tekkens, they're all for glory of battle. I don't know how, how much honor i don't even know if it matters what they're fighting for i think they just want to fight you know kind of like yeah but i don't think they'd like stab someone in the back or anything like that no yeah probably they're not not, like dirty fighters yeah yeah there's there's no glory in in a dirty kill yeah uh that's true that's true but again like you know the whole idea of the prophecy is what keeps the characters moving forward and keeps the plot moving forward yeah that's what really drives the story yeah and that's why it's like a one-off, because once the prophecy is fulfilled, there's no more story to tell, right? So exactly. So there won't be any more seasons or Correct. anything. 
was just a limited nine episode series. They wrapped it up really nice at the end, put a little ribbon on it. It was really done. Nice. Let's talk about the characters, and then that'll kind of like pull in along with like some of the plot twists and predictions. I think. Yeah, let's try and do it like that. Let okay, so characters will open with Maya, mm-hmm. uh, voiced by Zoe Saldana, who was also Gamora in the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, and Avengers movies. People probably recognize her, but not in this because it's just her voice and she sounds generic. <laughs> Maya is very impetuous. She was very leaning, you know, more towards her father than her mother, Queen Tekka, who is trying to raise her up to be a level-headed diplomat, mm-hmm. uh, whereas her father is always just like run and gun, you know, into a blaze of glory. And it makes sense because we find out very early on that her mother is not her real mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's basically half parts battle and half parts death. Yeah. Which makes for an interesting character. It does. But Amaya is not that. I don't think she was an interesting character to you. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because, you know, we want to preface this by saying, like, this is a kid's show for the well, it's a, or a family show. They have some very interesting themes that are, like, very adult that come up in this show but they also do a lot to like feed the plot yeah um yeah it's very catered to kids but also it doesn't shy away from death or adultery death or or adultery or certain things which i think is kind of cool but yeah so for maya you know she's only 15 she's growing adult she's like a rebellious teenager so she's gonna be annoying i kind of expected that do i resonate with the character not really no. Is her personality that interesting? Not really. Stuff that's happening to her is interesting, but I Very am definitely way more into the sub characters yeah. than her herself. She doesn't come off as relatable. Like that's what I Yeah. Yeah. She she's very like she's so reckless that she's constantly putting her friends in danger, a lot of the time danger that they don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. And it's just the entire show is just like her being self-serving. Mm-hmm. you know throughout and like regardless of what might happen to anybody else yeah she's really got like a one-track mind she just has that mindset that she's she's got to kill like the god of war yeah and this is something she doesn't even tell her companions yeah but it's just like it's driving her and like yes because she's... she gets them all to follow her on the premise that they're going to destroy the divine gate mm-hmm. and close the door to the underworld so that the the underworld gods can't get out Really, she just wants to go in there and have a glorious battle against the literal god of war. <sighs> she's a dickhead. <laughs> I'm going to say it. And I mean, like, she's got a lot of fight in her. She is also an honorable fighter. Like, her first confrontation with a god was with a cat, the goddess of tattoos. And when super a cat badass. was lying... Super badass. But, like, at the end, when a cat was lying there you know broken yeah. and unconscious maya refused to like strike her down well she stood over you know ready poised yeah, to deliver the killing blow and then and then decided not to yeah which was yeah a lot of strength of character there mm-hmm. so she has she has good attributes she just wasn't particularly <laughs> she interesting has a few to redeeming us qualities. yeah it wasn't but you know i i think that sometimes that happens a lot for the hero of the story because if they were flawed then it would be too cheesy if they weren't flawed. Like, they would be, it would be cheesy and uninteresting. Yeah. But being flawed, it can be hard to, like, you're not always going to be, like, on their side. It's true. Mm-hmm. But, like, 
in a story like this, proper character development like would be that there is a character who is flawed and then kind of learns to overcome that. I don't feel like this character evolved uh, at any point until she became the son. Like that's an interesting point. Uh, I, she didn't I think grow. I, I think I kind of agree with you. Not yeah. not a yeah, not a lot. Like uh, maybe, maybe slightly, bit, yeah. but I think like mostly at the behest of her companions. Yeah. Like if she didn't have them guiding her all the time, she would have like definitely run into a lot more problems. That's definitely true. I'll talk about her father and mother quickly. Sure. King Taka is her voiced by Jorge Gutierrez. Voiced by Jorge Gutierrez, creator and director of the series, which is pretty cool. His character design is great. He's this massive, massive guy that towers over everybody. He's good. Massive shoulders. Massive shoulders. Tiny little feet. Yeah, tiny little legs and feet. Like, you know, he gets, he's that That upside down triangle, you know, where like he just gets smaller as he goes down. And he's great. He's always got his like eagle shaped armor on. His hands are like bigger than his head. Yeah. He's just a big guy and he's very silly and a little immature. Yeah. I think he's, he's very also much very impulsive, right? And very he's... impulsive. You can definitely see him in Maya for sure. Yeah, he's just like all about battle and glory and the prophecy and all of that. But he's a good guy. Her mother or like her honorary mother is Queen Tekka. She's a lot like she... by Sandra Ik Kiha, I think, something like that, Um, Uh, who is Jorge Gutierrez's wife, wife, which is super cute. She did a lot of, like, character designs and stuff like that on the show. She was also a very big part of development in the show. So that's really cute. And the contrast between her and her husband is amazing. So she's, like, much smaller, very slight. I love the hair that they gave her. It's all adorned in ribbons, and it, like, stretches out in tendrils to kind of look like eagle claws. Yeah. Um, It's pretty cool. Her whole getup was based on traditional type clothing and stuff. So that was really cool. She's very like cool and collected and diplomatic. And she really tries to encourage Maya to not be impulsive and to be careful and to, you know, think before she acts, (laughs) which is something Maya's not very good at. And she's also a little stern. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we find out pretty early on that she is also a battle-hardened eagle warrior. Yes. Yeah. So her past is very much she was an eagle warrior. Um, She still has her armor, which she ends up giving to Maya. She's pretty cool. Yeah. Not gonna lie. She's She's pretty cool. cool. Good character. Yeah. She's a good character. Then there's King Tekka's three Three triplet sons. sons. Yes. The jaguars. The jaguars. Lance, dagger, and shield. Yes. And they're funny because they're the exact same character design, obviously, because they're triplets. The only difference is the color of the paint that adorns their faces and hands and weapon that they wield. And they're named after the weapon that they wield. Yes. So that you can tell them apart. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Their time (laughs) in the story is very short. They're just in the first couple of episodes, and then in the first battle, they perish. Yeah. But they're fun. They're like I mean, the... They come back here and there, but... Yeah. You know, they're, they're like the, the the comedic relief. Like, they're silly and yeah, a little dense. Yeah. Um, just like... They're not flushed out. No, characters. they're not. Not really. And yeah, they're always adorned in, like, jaguar fur. Yeah. And stuff. So, I mean, that's cool. You gotta dress the part. So that's the Tekken family right there. Yeah. Do we want to talk so, about Zats? 
Um, yeah, we can talk about Zats. Do you want to go to, straight to Zats? Yeah, let's go Zats, straight to Zats. Prince of Bats. Prince of Bats. That's right. Good old Zats of yeah. Bats. <laughs> Zats of Bats. Uh, Zats is great because, like, he comes on camera and he always does this hair flick. Yeah. This little bang. He's suave He's hair so, flick. Yeah. He thinks yeah. highly of himself. Yeah. He really um, looks like, uh, like if his hair was black instead of white, he'd be, like, super emo, but. Yeah. <laughs> got that sad like bangs over half his face which yeah. is fair because he only has one eye yeah so, like, he's got an eye patch he's trying one. to cover he's pretty cool he's got a lot more of a richer character development that very slowly trickles in throughout the yeah. series well and, and it's it's interesting because like his he doesn't really go through like character growth but his character is revealed yes more and more so they they introduce him as an antagonistic character and then very quickly flip on that. And mm-hmm. he's a, a supporting character through the whole thing. For sure. Even though Maya refuses to acknowledge him as that. Until all of a sudden, she's super in love with him. Yeah. And it's stupid. Yeah. It's a little... Um, it Yeah. It gets really cheesy. You know, we'll talk about how the story is and stuff like that. After we just bre- breeze over the characters. On the topic of Zatz. Yes. And his eyeball. Okay. I don't remember ever seeing how he lost his eye. We weren't shown, but so we, were we know that we were told that Lord McClan took his eye because he was in the beginning first couple of episodes when we got to see clips of the underworld, we could start to see that Zaz was starting to have a thing for Maya and his father, Lord of Bats, who's Camisaltz. literally a bat. Yes. What's his name, sorry? Camisaltz. Camisaltz warns him do you want Lord McClan to take your other eye? Yeah. Because that's what's going to happen. Like, you need to just do what you're told. For many episodes, I was just waiting for a backstory episode on Zatz. And it Which took till the... Got, yeah. We got at the end. But, like, I really thought... I had originally predicted it was going to be pretty early on. And it wasn't. No. Um, but basically, it just ties into, like... Especially when we're really trying to... They're really trying to push, like, how evil Lord McClan is... And, but yeah, Zatz turns out to be also a demigod like Maya. His father was Lord of Bats. His mother was a human. His mother died for fighting Lord McClan when he was young. And she wanted his father to... I think at that point they were probably trying to get Zatz. Presumably. Like, they didn't really spell that out. But if anything, if he was also a demigod... Yeah then wouldn't they wouldn't lord miklan be trying to get him to sacrifice him so he could get the so power so i don't so i think i guess not cuz he could have sacrificed him any time he, he could have sacrificed him. him any time so what hmm. i think happened is i think him like having control of the lord of bats and everything happened later and he is aware that zads is a demigod but the technical part of the prophecy that says that whoever eats the soul of the demigod will become all powerful it has to be the demigod of, of death. death right it has to be lady mcte's child right with a human um very yeah. specific <laughs> i'm on board i'm on board with that but uh yeah so we see the backstory his mom dies farting, fighting lord McClan, and him and his father escape because she wants to make sure that zads is okay and she knows that he can protect her better him better than she could yeah but yeah zatz is really cool he's like a very honorable fighter he's like humorous i love how he always kind of signs off with something with maya like you can very early on see like his affection for her and he'll always say like 
be well, Princess Maya. I'll see you later. And then he disappears. So he pops up almost every episode, I think. Yeah, I think so. To kind of help Maya along the way. And she's very resistant. To be fair, he does admit at some point that his original plan was to get Maya and have his father sacrifice her so that he could take power from Lord Miglan. Yeah. Um... But he's just such a mushy softy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's love instead. It's nice getting to the final episodes and starting to hear all the plots going on behind it. They're not all just dumbly following Lord McClan. They just don't have a choice. Yeah. So you're really starting to see that development of subplots within the other characters of the underworld yeah. l- much later on in the series. It's nice that we got to that point. Because they just kind of feel constant drones just coming to get Maya and then they don't get her. He's a cool character. And yes, at some, eventually him and Maya have a romance and it's cute. It's cheesy and cute. It it doesn't come about great. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really come about organically. No. It seems. No, it doesn't. Something that was forced from time constraints that didn't actually exist because it was a limited series and he could have taken as long as he wanted with it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. It happened. It they happened. to wrap it up. And so... So all of it a sudden, tied up real quick. All of a sudden, they're super in love. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Of course, that's... If, in the beginning, was dating a cat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't going so well, I guess. Let's talk and about a cat next. Let's talk about a cat. Yeah. She was great. Oh, she was great. She was a total bitch. They put the best god, like, at the beginning. Like, yeah. the best, like goddess yeah it was it was great boss battle yeah best boss battle perfect (laughs) yeah after her all the other minor gods looked stupid yeah yeah she was great so she was uh she was the goddess of tattoos so right off the bat she's this beautiful curvy woman covered in tattoos and her tattoo powers her tattoos come to life and she can use them as weapons and not only that she ends up having giant wings that are like made out of tattoos that are like I that guess? come out of the tattoo i think she tattoo wings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and she they also can be used as weapons and they basically yeah, like they shoot shoot all those spikes out yeah or like knives or whatever and she's so cool and this was like a first introductory into seeing fighting in the show um especially like involving maya a lot of cool stuff going on there and she was yeah. just interesting and she was she was like mean and she was very jealous and whatnot yeah, but she, she was just very like petty and like vindictive yes yeah. but she had so much more personality yeah like she had a lot of personality it was great yeah but no honor no no honor and that didn't work for zats no they no. were dating but he was kind of ashamed of her a little bit and he really started to see that she fought with no honor and he was tired of her yeah jealousy and ultimately like he wasn't getting involved when her and maya were fighting but when maya got her down and then decided not to kill her and then a cat got back up and chased after maya and you know they had round two uh zats was the one that actually dispatched a cat yeah and allowed maya to to get away basically and that's a real rough way to break up yeah he uh, broke up with her right then and there. It was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It was rough. Yeah. <laughs> She's my favorite god for sure. Yeah. She was great. Let's talk about a couple of the other gods that came to Thwart Maya. All right. We'll go over them a little quickly. Let's they go were over quite some as of cool. The side gods. So the next god she comes across are Cabra Khan mm-hmm. and Chipakli, mm-hmm. which are some cool celebrity cameos. Cabra Khan was Danny Trejo voiced. Mm-hmm. 
and Chipakli was voiced by Rosie Perez. And they were weird. Yeah. They're like a married couple of gods. Capricorn yeah. was the god of earthquakes. Earthquakes. Yeah. And Chipakli is the goddess of gators. Which was interesting. She sounds cool. It, yeah. But she turns into a, a alligator yeah. with alligator heads on her hands and alligator heads for feet and an alligator head on the tip of her tail. Yeah. And it was just like, guys, come on. It was just, just weird. It's a stretch. I yep. can see that being actual folk- folklore. Yeah, this could all be and rooted that's in some cool, kind of cultural But thing. seeing it in a cartoon, it just did not hit. It yeah. looked silly. It did not look scary. And I'm sure they were trying to not make... I think, like, nobody should have looked as scary as Lord McClellan, first of all. And, but also, it just, you know, it, it was a family... It, they weren't hitting it. it. She just looked silly. Like yeah. a rubbery alligator with alligator hands. On. Yeah, I, the, she's too weird. She could have uh, just been a gator, and Capricorn, I would have been like, okay. <laughs> Capricorn looked great. Yeah, he was I cool. I thought as a, as a character, as like a boss fight in a video game, he would be awesome yeah. to fight. Kicking his head around like a soccer ball yeah. while it's on fire, <laughs> and just like spinning around and shooting fireballs everywhere for some reason, because that's what earthquakes do. This is the part uh, that was weird. I think I thought he looked cool, but I thought the way he did his mechanics did not make sense to me. Like, he was the god of earthquakes, and I never at any time did he like make an earthquake he yeah, kind of shook the a earth lot of tantrums and stomped on the ground yeah he stomped on the ground any big dude could do that he made boulders move and stuff but that's not that's not an earthquake yeah it wasn't really hitting me also the way his, I felt that it should. Uh, his character the the writing like of his character i thought was terrible yeah he was just a whiny baby yeah like the whole thing was dumb <laughs> chapakli was fine and mm-hmm. she she actually goes against him to to save maya yeah where and and this is kind of where you you kind of discover that like fear the gods have because cabra khan definitely wanted to sacrifice maya himself yeah so that he could get the power and chapakli stopped him because she was so afraid of miklan's like wrath that she knew it would be a bad idea yeah she was like this just isn't gonna work out it was too risky she was very humanized by the end and actually basically became an ally, yeah. which was very interesting. And it was the first time Maya was more able to see her being more human. Yeah. And um, then by, by beating him, Maya somehow saved their marriage. Yeah. Which was never, like, that was such a weird thing <laughs> that they just, there's so many things they just threw in, like, oh, this would be fun. They threw in a lot yeah. of sub, 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 sub plot. Yeah. Like it was, it, some of it was cute, and some of it I was like, "This doesn't need to be here." Yeah. Like, um, how was their marriage gonna fall? I know they were they were on different ends of the fence with the killing yeah. Maya thing, but was it really like you know? I don't know if you smash one more mountain, we're through. Yeah. And then he gets buried in a well or something, and she's like, "Oh, good, he didn't smash that mountain. We'll be fine." Yeah. Like, it was just I didn't like it. It was I didn't like it either. Not for me. No. The next god we saw would have been Hura and Khan. Oh, yeah. Hura and Khan. Okay. Yes. So, uh, Cheech Marin, the, <laughs> the great Cheech Marin, voiced both Hura and Khan because they're like twin brothers, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you're not putting it together, they're the gods of wind and storms. Right. Like hurricanes. Uh, see? I see get it. See what they did there? I see what subtle. they did. It's very subtle. <laughs> They were fine. They were fine. I didn't care about them at all. Honestly, 
they have no like they have not made any lasting presence in yeah, my mind no impact no whatsoever. positive or negative presence in my mind at all and again a lot of the episodes follow the same story while maya is traveling she gets stopped by gods and then she defeats them most of it i think is to show teamwork building but it's it just it's the same kind of deal every time that like it's kind of just all gotten whooshed in my head yeah um who's next uh who's next is the group of loyalist gods to Miklan. God of Dark Magic, mm-hmm. Chivo. Chivo. Uh, there's Vukub, the god of jungle animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple more whose names I did not get. Okay. They are pretty... <laughs> oh, they're Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones two, like, with the pirate ones. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys come up a little bit later, and then they're pretty important in the final fight. Chivo. Chivo. Yeah, so he wields dark magic. So him and especially in contrast to rico who we will get to we'll get to yeah, the we haven't even got to rico. yeah we're talking about all these guys the comrades the yeah so basically yeah they're just they're the closest henchmen that really like, they come in near the end and then they fight very closely with lord mcclen in the final battles yeah vuku god of jungle animals he was important cool. to note that he was voiced by eric bauza yes uh the voice of like all the looney tunes in <laughs> space jam 2 uh toronto boy i think like he's yeah cool. Yeah, yeah, or he's like cool. Scarborough or something. I don't know. He's from Ontario. He's anyways, from Ontario. And yeah, we like him. He's we like great. him. He was pretty cool. Yeah, that the so the god of the jungle creatures. He's actually pretty cool. You can very much see that he really just wants to act in the interest of all of the animals. Like yeah. he really does not want to follow Lord Miklan, and you really see the humanity in him, quote unquote. Humanity. He's an animal. <laughs> He's an animal. He's a really cool, majestic bird that has a gold head and like six eyes and like three eyes on each side. Yeah. yeah. He always has that kind of flat, like a profile profile view, like of yeah. him, you know? Which is a weird uh, character thing that they did with a lot of the characters. Yeah. We'll Gave have them, to like, talk about that. Profile face. Yeah. You know, humans. With I think to kind of look like on one side of their nose yeah. so that you're. Doesn't matter which side of their face you're seeing, mm-hmm. you see both nostrils very clearly. Yeah. Like, just slapped on the side. It's an old, I think it's both a reference, maybe, this is my interpretation, is like it's maybe a reference to runes and stuff, as well as a reference yeah, to like, like old, old like, cartoons. Line art kind of stuff. Yeah. As well as a, a big nod to like the Ren and Stimpy yeah, style. Yeah, Ren and Stimpy like, style, yeah, like crazy. weird, like those crazy gross, noses. bulbous noses with yeah. all those growths on them. But yeah, let's quickly talk about the comrades. The Warriors 3? The Warriors 3. Okay. Okay. So, Rico. Rico. Yeah. Rooster Wizard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rico was once said to be the greatest wizard of all time. That's right. And he proves that in this story by being the greatest wizard of all time. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. He's got a lot of confidence um, issues. Yes. So, Rico has a very, very famous and not very prevalent stutter. Yeah. Uh, which shows up once in a blue moon, and you're like, oh, yeah, right, the stutter. I have a point for that, though. What's that? Okay, so he's very traumatized by the thing that happened when he was younger. So he had a stutter when he was a child, right? Yes. And then the whole thing where he killed the Grand wizard, Brujo. Grand Brujo, and all of that happened, and he was really afraid. So when he's afraid, especially when he's around those from his past, like Grand Bruja, that's when the stutter comes out. When he is confident and when he's element. he's with his friend and he's in his element, he's doing well, there is no stutter. So the mm-hmm. stutter comes out when he's nervous again. You'll mostly definitely be able to tell. It's triggered. 
it's triggered and it's in the final episode where you can really tell because he's told his stutter has been gone for quite a while but then they're yeah, in the final battle does, and he's like, trying to protect Grand Brujo. yeah Grand Bruja. Grand, Grand Bruja. he's long dead he's yeah protecting him that's when his stutter comes back that's true yeah yeah and that's where he like regains his confidence and then his stutter goes away again yeah yeah so i think Good it's stuff. just a testament it's a reflection of how he's feeling on the inside yeah. so rico outcast in mm-hmm. Luna islands because as a young child when grand brujo who was then leader of the wizard council saw all this potential in him uh it was because he had seen him using peasant magic mm-hmm. which is very unstable and all the wizards in the council fear peasant magic mm-hmm. and i think they consider it like dirty also i think so um probably mostly because it's so uncontrollable that yeah. they are afraid of it and they don't have it either too so it's probably a bit of a power move as well yeah none of them are blessed with peasant magic and he's the only one left that has it yeah they fear that but they fear him as well we never learn about his lineage or anything only that no he, had, he was a little orphan boy yeah. with peasant magic he was so cute yeah sad but yeah sad it's a boy. that was that was a sad his like little memory his backstory his backstory was yeah. sad i cried kids were mean to him <laughs> the sad. kids were mean to him and he was trying to be good the only one who believed in him was gran brujo and then he killed him <laughs> yeah like that's rough that yeah. is a rough story to come around and like and then gran bruja blamed him yes. so she was like get out of here you jerk yeah and, uh, and there's no wonder he was an outcast Estefan, his mighty wizard staff yeah that he got uh, from Gran Bruja. Estefan in itself is like a massive character. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And, and it's, it, on that note, there's that scene in the later episodes where Rico is fighting Chivo, the god of dark magic. Mm-hmm. And Chivo notices that Estefan is broken and repairs it for Rico for some unknown reason, which yeah. Rico later pieces together is because... Uh, without the staff, all he can do is use peasant magic, and Chivo is even afraid of peasant magic. Yeah. Because it's so powerful. So he was willing to so, give him back regular magic. Yeah. Be In order to, like, hope that he would use that instead of peasant magic. And we like that, because Estefan was a great character. Exactly. He never said He needed shit. that back. The next character is from... The Skull. The Skull. She's from the jungle. From the jungle lands. The um, mighty skull archer, Chimi. Chimi. Love Chimi. Love Chimi. Voiced by Stephanie Beatrice, <laughs> who is Rosa Diaz on uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Nice, uh, amazing character, mm-hmm. and she's just amazing. The voice of someone else in the newest Disney movie. Oh, she's like Louisa, or is that her name? No, Lisa? she's the main in in Encanto. She's Mirabel. Oh, she's the main character. Yeah. Really? She's Mirabelle. I have no idea. Ah, I didn't even know. I haven't, yeah. I haven't looked up any of the voices in Encanto except for uh, Lynn Manuel. Right, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't. I yeah, I was watching a little thing and I saw that she's the voice of Mirabelle. No I love way. It. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it again. Uh huh. Yeah, you do. Yes. Encanto's great. We're not talking. About yeah, that. we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> yeah, super great. Love her. Love Chimmy. Tell us what Chimmy's backstory is. So Chimmy's backstory is. They called her, what did they call her? The uh, Monstro Blanco. Monstro Blanco. Because Blanco. she's also yeah. like albino. Um, and she just basically, as a child, she just scared everybody. Well, everybody her mother was afraid died of her. in childbirth, right? Her so mother died in childbirth. Out, uh, the only albino that these 
people have ever seen mm-hmm. who also killed her mother on childbirth like they deemed her as cursed and yes. they cast her out immediately yeah yeah she grew up in the forest and she was like raised by um <clears throat> by monkeys and forest animals in general so she's pretty cool because she can talk to all different kinds of animals she tends to walk on all fours a lot of the time and she also became the greatest archer ever existed basically which is pretty cool so yeah she's pretty cool i like yeah her. like her a lot jimmy's um, super cool being raised by animals uh she's always scrounging around on all fours sniffing at people and howling and doing weird stuff mm-hmm super great yeah it's great it's adorable and one of her biggest journey that she wants to make and the whole reason why she agrees to join with maya is she wants to meet lady mcday because she wants her to introduce her to her dead mother yes she wants to apologize she's feels like a worthless human being because she killed her mother basically she believes that it is all her fault so she's kind of had that troubling on her and she's just lives to worship lady mcday because she just wants to meet her mother so badly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if worship is like the right word. Well, she had a shrine for her and she paints her face to look like Lady McDay. Uh, I stand corrected. That's yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. She was out there as a character. <laughs> um, she was great though. And then there was only one left. <gasps> Pichu! Pichu, the barbarian warrior puma yeah he's adorable um pichu was great yeah he didn't resonate with me gabriel fluffy iglesias (laughs) which is cool i found pichu was kind of i didn't get anything out of his character i didn't until the end in the beginning i was like okay it's another silly guy that they're kind of marking off as kind of dumb he's barbarian and he just is like silly barbarian um his backstory like is sad, sad. like all of them they yeah. all have really horrible backstories so basically like his was more sad because he had a really good family life yeah he did yeah yeah him and his other barbarian family members they were always happy and together and then one day these people came and invaded his land and he showed he had the leader in his grasp and he showed mercy because that's the kind of barbarian that yeah. he is. He was about to take her out and she begged for mercy. Exactly. And he gave her mercy. And in turn, she killed his family in yeah. front of him. Came back and not in front of him. Well, she, well. And he woke up and they were already dead. Yes. I think, yeah. I mean, she had that their helmets like on stakes, which I think was like the kid way of showing that she'd beheaded them. Maybe. Like, I think that was what that was supposed to represent, but it, they weren't actually there because this is a kid show. You can't right. have gore. But it was... Either dr- way, she killed the shit out of them. She killed the parents. She terrorized the city. She took over. And she told him, this is because you showed mercy. This is your fault. Yeah. And That's your character weakness is showing mercy. Yeah. And from then on, he was convinced that... It was all his fault. Yeah. His parents' death were on his hands. So then he spent like years up years. on this waterfall cliffside just fighting mist. Yeah. Just just having hallucinations. Yeah. He was hallucinating the leader over and over and over again and fighting her when he was really just like fighting the misty air. Yeah. It was sad. Shadows basically. Yeah. But then Maya and the two came and mm-hmm. found him and 
convinced him to join their crew. Which was very easy because he just wanted an honorable death. That's yeah. all he wanted. He wanted to fight and he knew that he never could just like, like a take battle his... I can't win, I'm in. He knows that if he took his own life, he wouldn't go to the same place as he would with an honorable death. And the place that he would go if he had an honorable death would be the place that his parents were in. Yeah. So he had Valhalla. Basically, maybe. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty far removed from Mesoamerican <laughs> culture, but we don't know. But a similar concept. Um, we haven't mentioned, which we did want to mention before, how uh, how Jorge Gutierrez had talked about all the research he'd done into all the Mesoamerican cultures. Yes. And how he was just kind of applying all of it into this. So not taking from one thing but layering it layering it like a lasagna yeah like a big big televised lasagna yeah (laughs) which i can really see in the series because there's just so much going on yeah and i think that while was really cool may have also been what led to confusion the confusion and the pacing of the show which maybe we can talk about now he oh, did. We still have so many more characters. Uh, do we though? Right, I mean, we got to talk about Chapa because he was. Oh, the Chapa! Best. Basically, he was the Tekken Jaguar, and he was super cute. Yeah, he was like the warrior Jaguar, which was very, very heavily influenced by He Man and the Master of the Universe. Yeah. The the duality of like Cringer and Battle Cat, um, He Man's. You know, Pet Tiger as as Prince Adam was like a cowardly cat. But then when when he became He-Man, his cat would get this armor and become fearless battle cat. So this is kind of a juxtaposition of that Mm -hmm. where Chapa was this big, fierce spirit jaguar, basically, that became traumatized, you know, very much in the same way as Hulk in the Avengers uh, got traumatized by Thanos and then wouldn't come out. And then any time there was any sign of danger... Chapa would just take off and abandon everybody <laughs> yeah. and go hide in the woods somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And uh and that was a recurring theme through like the entire show until yeah. the very end. Yeah. He um, was poor kitty. And I loved it. Yeah. And then he'd always come back and, you know, pretend he was brave and then as soon as something went down he would disappear again. Yeah. It was pretty cute. And then they'd all shout at him. Which yeah. was great. <laughs> Chapa, you can't just keep running away. I love Chapa. He's like, uh heck yeah I can. Watch me. Yeah. Um, um, and I guess we didn't, I mean, we brought up Lord Meeklan a lot. Yeah, we didn't really talk about Meeklan or yeah. Mekte too much. I mean, so obviously Lord Meeklan, not a ton of backstory other than he is the god of war. As it sounds, he can just smite an entire army just like that. Yeah. He's, and he's voiced by Alfred Molina. Yeah. It was super cool. His character. Dr. Octopus. <laughs> yeah. His character design is definitely something to take note he yeah, has Miklan is a very heavy character design. Very heavy character. I don't know who like rigged that guy. I don't know how they managed to animate all of his things. He's again like similar build to uh, King Tekka. Yeah. Very and like he's all upper body. Upper body, but he also has these giant pauldrons. Yeah, these giant beams on his shoulders with their dragon faces on them. And then swinging from these beams of wood are these whole skeletons. And I believe that, like, this is really trying to push to the size relationship. Like, these are whole adult humans hanging from him, and they're so small compared to him. Yeah. Their um, feet don't touch the ground. Yeah. 
So he's that big. Yeah. There's also 666 skulls on his character, something we just recently learned. So that's an interesting tidbit. We didn't count them ourselves. No. (laughs) We took the director's word for it. Yeah. And he also has this mechanic where his head is made up of two smaller heads Two faces that just profile together. Yeah, to make one face. face. And you'll understand when you see, obviously, but it's very interesting the way that they kind of handled that. And it's definitely very unsettling. Yeah. Which I'm sure was the point. Yeah. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) It's very unsettling. It was beautiful. He's a pretty two-dimensional character. Yeah. He's got the power. He wants the power. That's all he He, wants. He needs the power. He gets the power. Yeah. And he's completely ruthless. Like, in the very last episode, we see him consuming the hearts of all of his followers yeah all the people that have helped him get here he's all like yep you served your purpose now you're dead and he takes on their heart and it makes him even bigger and stronger yeah until he becomes that giant snake thing yeah his final form yeah and then obviously like we touched on his wife lady mcday she's the goddess of death she's beautiful character design she mostly looks like kind of like a skeleton she's got all of that makeup she's on very day of the daddy yeah. yeah and she also when she's in the underworld she wears this like also massive headdress with skeletons hanging from it yeah um, smaller skeletons though yeah like... smaller skeletons and still adorned with like flowers and stuff and in the beginning you know we think that she's just as evil as her husband and then later we find that she has you know, humanity and love for her daughter. Passion. Yeah. And I'm going to segue right into the plot twist at the end that I had predicted about Lady McTay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a big point of contention in the beginning of the show. Yeah. So basically, first episode when Maya gets is getting ready She's, for her... After being reprimanded by her mom. Yeah. She gets... Dressed in all of her coronation makeup yeah. by this handmaiden who she's never met before, supposedly. She's like an unknown character. She doesn't have a name. But their very tiny, short interaction had me thinking, she's important. We're going to see her again. Rich did not I, have the I same feeling. I remember you even saying, like, oh, I bet, like, she's her mother. And I was like, that's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I even said that. I was like, stupid. when we, because we found a first episode that... Maya's mother wasn't her real mother. And I was like, I bet that's her mother. And you were like, no, that's ridiculous. And it took till second last episode, I think. Yeah. To find out that Lady McTay, goddess of death, the true mother of Maya, had been taking on forms throughout Maya's life in order to find ways to check in on her and be there for her and like even like raise her a little bit. Yeah. Oh, is this some kind of like unknown character she probably couldn't be there all the time because she had her goddess of death duties and she was yeah she had to do it in secret but yeah she was always looking out for her and i was right and it was stupid right guys <laughs> so i was right also because it was stupid <laughs> it was great um no it was good it was good it made sense they, they tied it up yeah nicely like very that. nicely um it's good that you feel good about yourself i do yeah yeah that happened yeah that happened we haven't talked about apush Apush, Apush. um rita moreno she was great apush 
Um, she's just this weird lady <laughs> coughing up butterflies all yeah. over the place. <laughs> totally out to lunch. Shows up here and there at random times. And she always seems to know a lot more about the world than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, she jumps in a volcano and goes for a swim. It's just strange. Yeah. She's, a, she's an interesting character. She's like... Weird. She's she's watching over Maya. She's like her little fairy godmother, her little crazy fairy godmother. Yeah, she's weird, but we love we love her. Yeah, we it's very weird. And and all of a sudden there's three of her, and they never explained it. And yeah, I think maybe she's like the fates or something, but like she's definitely some kind of omniscient presence. You know, she's she's tapped into everything. She's part of nature, and she's she even showed up in the underworld. Mm-hmm. Nobody seemed to question that. I had questions. They did not get answered. <laughs> no. But yeah, she was yeah. there from the very beginning and showed up, yeah. you know, pretty frequently. And she always knew the real prophecy. Always knew the real prophecy. And she was kind of just there to guide and help Maya in very small, small ways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything, anybody else really important we want to talk about before we get into like pacing and things like that? No, that's all the people. Um, okay. Um, well, we haven't talked about the Barbarian King or the Widow Queen, but we don't care about no, that. No, I don't think I don't think that's important. Either, but the Widow Queen... I mean, the Widow Queen's pretty cool. They never explained why she's the Widow Queen. I um, want to know why this seemingly child... She is a very tiny little girl. She is a tiny little girl called the Widow Queen, and it is because all the men around her die. And why didn't they talk about that? So my theory... Okay. Is that is that it was her father killing any man who would talk to her um, before he oh. died? He was crazy. Also, Jorge Gutierrez, but he was pretty nuts. He was the one that that cast out uh, Jimmy, and he was very savage. He was just mm-hmm. he was loony and savage, and that's a bad combination. And I think yeah, anyone that showed any kind of of connection whatsoever to the widow queen he probably had them killed Mm -hmm. you know disappeared them uh immediately yeah that's my theory because the widow queen was a very sweet little girl yeah she had tons of compassion yeah and she was just a cutie pie and personality and like yeah she's just that's all barbarian king nobody cares yeah you know it's at the end of the day they're not as important the grand brewer is kind of important she's just like she's supposed to be like kind of wizened she wasn't she was an ignorant prick her grief really held her back from seeing things the way that they were yeah um and she did take it out on rico she did have that you know when maya first went to her to try to recruit her as Mm -hmm. the rooster wizard she her whole speech putting maya in her place was very very poignant yes very accurate yeah yeah for sure that was great expect us to all help you because of your family's problems because of your father's indiscretions yeah yeah that was yeah totally fair she knows what's up yeah she's like i'm not gonna fight the god of war <laughs> like, yeah why would i do such a thing and i mean it's important to note yeah, that they all came the to help anyways, yeah. yeah in the end everyone came to help we'll round off the plot really quickly here in the final episodes everyone comes back to the kingdom of Tekka. there is a great battle that ensues where lord Miklan has finally come up to do the job himself during battle while he is kind of losing He's not getting through as fast as he thought he would. Yeah. He starts eating all of his emissaries' hearts in order to gain, like, practically omnipotent power. 
And it is clear and also been told to us many times at this point that Maya is the only one that can kill him because she is the demigod of death. So he turns into this like double headed dragon snake guy. Yeah, just a big serpent with two heads. Yeah. Kind of made out of stone, sort of, or something. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he was large enough anyways. So everyone's kind of like helping fight him. And then Maya in the end. And he breathes fire. He breathes fire. And then in the end, Maya had to like enter one of his heads to get to like his core, which is his heart, to destroy him. Yes. And of course, she jumps into one of his mouths, being followed by the other snake head. Yeah. uh, Ending in that iconic, you know, serpent eating itself. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Imagery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty cool. And, you know, important to note that even though this was like a family series and whatever, like it followed the story that she died. Yeah. Maya died. Zats died. Yeah. Pichu I'll... died. Pichu we died. Didn't we Pichu didn't dying. talk about Pichu dying. <sighs> Someone's got to talk about Pichu. Pichu died. Pichu Anyways, died. <laughs> that was a surprise you know you're thinking like oh because like she was so omnipotent this whole time they all made it through all of the things all this time in the end maya dies zats dies like lots of them die yeah um which is kind of crazy but she because of her sacrifice she gets gifted the greatest honor of all which is to be the sun zats gets to be the moon and, and then every day at dawn and dusk, they, they get to see each they other. They get to see each Beautiful. other and dance for the rest of time. I didn't like this. <laughs> Mostly for one thing, because I was like, how does this work? If you're the sun and he's the moon, you guys will never be able to like really see. Like you can see each other from afar. You're never going to be able to be together. Yeah. Sun and the moon can't be together. To me, that would have been torture. Yeah. Like the love of her life is to be the moon and to be the opposite end of the earth than her i don't know yeah it's sad that to me i was like that's cruel (laughs) but they seemed happy about it maybe they can you know be in human form or sort of and leave their sun and moon and go and hang out with each other in the stars i don't know no they can't do that (laughs) they they can't but yeah i don't know i mean the sun's always on even when you don't see it right it's on somewhere else it's on somewhere she's Got a 24-7 job yeah. that she has to be there for. Yeah. Um, and his job, as is so often the case, is just to reflect her radiance back on the world. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't get his time to shine, right? Yeah. Like, <sighs> it's fine. Which would be great if she was a quality character. But yeah. But she kind of sucked. Yeah, he kind of. her character than Yeah, she was. Zaz was really cool. Um, but... At the end of the day, you, they got, they were happy about it. They got what they wanted. So cool. Yeah. But yeah. They got what they wanted. But it was interesting let's, to like have them end the story that let's way. Let's talk about love. All right. Let's talk about love. Rico and Jimmy. <laughs> they were cute. Rico and Jimmy. Um, and of course the love triangle with, with Rico Pichu. and Pichu. Yeah. 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 That was, that was really cute. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. they really like. It was cheesy and it, it was sucked, cheesy it and was it cute. threw it in. Yeah, but it was cute. I much preferred their little like. She always seemed to kind of favor Pichu until he killed himself. Yeah, and she was like, "Hey, Rico." <laughs> yeah, like it was. You always knew it was going to happen, but it, it 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 wasn't well put together. But it was still cute. No, and again, the layers of plot 
just got to a point where they were just trying so many angles all at once and the the story was going so fast you didn't get to like settle on any particular idea yeah or any particular subplot i'm glad it was in there yeah wasn't necessarily executed the way i would have liked yeah but i'm i do prefer that than the way they did maya and sats yeah that, that wasn't great well, and then you've got King Tekka and Queen Tekka, and their four children have now died. But yeah. over the course of this show, Queen Tekka also became pregnant and in the end gave birth to twins. Yeah. Which they decided to name Jaguar and Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which are terrible children names. <laughs> Don't name your kids these things. I mean, they named their kids Sword, Shield, and Dagger, so... <laughs> Lance, Lance, Shield, and Dagger. Yeah, Lance, Shield, and Dagger. Yeah. So, you know, it's what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> Bad choices. Yeah. Bad choices all around. And they were like, you know, Eagle for you, Maya. And she was like, oh. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. You could have just called her Maya. Um. Yeah, that would be Maya too. Yeah, Maya's <laughs> Maya Jr. <laughs> but whatever. I do want to say... As far as Maya and Zoe Saldana's voice acting, I didn't love it. No? Uh, I thought there were a lot of times where her voice acting just pulled me right out of the story. Mm. It didn't seem to fit with the with the situation. It, it was not great. Like okay. m- most people I, I was on board with, um, but there were a lot of times where her, like, it was just... You just weren't right having it for it? I, I was not... Fair enough. Not for me. Yeah, she sucked. Yeah, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, she was good a lot of the time. Um, but there were times that I, that she was not good. Yeah, fair enough. No, I don't know. I didn't have any strong feelings either way. Um, I liked Rico's voice acting. Rico was pretty good. And I mean Gran Bruja, obviously. Yeah, Gran Bruja was good too. The pace of the whole show was very, very fast. We found that very prevalent in all of the episodes where just a lot of stuff happening and it's constantly, constant, constantly going almost to the point of like it was slightly anxiety inducing. It was just very quick and fast and there was just so much going on. And I think they just wanted to hit so many points and it just yeah. felt rushed. Agreed. Yeah. They, they didn't plan. I think they put way too much time and emphasis into researching the all of the lore of all of the different like Mesoamerican cultures and trying to amalgamate them all and like marry them in a way that would work for everyone and mm-hmm. still be original. And they didn't put enough time or effort into like fleshing out that story. Yeah. And, and the proper character development that would have really sold it to, yeah. you know. To be more relatable to more people kind of thing. I agree. That's why they had to spoon feed a lot of it to you. Yeah. Like, and by that we mean one of the characters, mostly Maya, would literally be telling you the story. Yeah. She'd be telling you what was going on. And it happened especially a lot in like this, I think it was the second episode when she got, she found out the new prophecy when her brothers had died and she was like watching as they were like communicating, which really I think it was actually like a poosh who was doing it, but. Oh, the communicating thing? You yeah. think that was a poosh? Well, a poosh was in the background watching. She was. And I was wondering if she kind of made the gold. Well, that down. did happen 
like when a butterfly landed on the yeah on the monument yeah but i still think it was her brothers too like you know they're they're around they came back later they did come back later cool whenever there's a plot point that they want you to be aware of someone will vocalize it very clearly exactly yeah yeah and it's just a little too much yeah we should probably do some geeking out about actual animation right the reason we're here yes well my and the three is a 3d show yes very obviously however neither of us are huge into 3d not really but but it was good was made by tangent animation it wasn't it's not like a disney it's not a pixar so yeah it's not a disney or pixar show um it was amazing quality for what it was considering from my like it just it wouldn't have the kind of marketing and hype that something from like a bigger place like disney and stuff like the people who really are the leaders in 3d animation right now yeah Um, i still did have a lot of like shine to it you and i were big on 2d now i know of 3d stuff that i love that i am like yeah like it looks beautiful and everything but we're mostly 2d people however the one thing i didn't like with the 3D aspect of Maya and the Three, is the fact that they all looked like toys. And apparently that was purposeful. Yeah. They were meant to look like toys. Understandable. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. Like, Jorge Gutierrez is very much into toys. They're very much into action figures and stuff like that. And you could see it because you would look at them and you're like, I could just pluck them out. Like, if they actually made, which I'm sure they have, action figures of the characters in the show, they would look identical. Yes. There would be no need for they know, have not any design. We saw an interview where they said that they have not. <laughs> they have not. Okay, so there's no. That's unfortunate. There are no toys, but they did definitely design them with toys in mind. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So um, in their own right, they did it. They and they're well animated. They don't move like toys. They just like it's not like Toy no. Story where they, they move could... like toys. You know, when you when you think of a, a side god like Cabra Khan who, like, spins around and, like, throws his head, like, you could easily make that into a working toy. And yeah. I, f- I feel like from that kind of thing, he was kind of taking the influence from, like, the Mesoamerican lore mm-hmm. and from, like, Masters of the Universe idealism also, where they, Masters of the Universe basically created this whole world through Mattel. They were creating this this whole thing based on what dumb toys they could sell to kids and how they could sell them to kids. Yeah. So I, I feel like a lot of these characters, yeah, like they they made them so that they could be toys. And yeah. And you could like, you know, pop their head off and throw it around. Which is fair. That's spin, not a bad idea. Yeah. You know, and I mean, kids probably really love the toy look, the whole thing, the way that they look like toys and stuff. Kids probably love that. Yeah. And I mean, if when you... When they zoomed into the characters, they still had... They didn't only look like plasticky toys. Like, they still had the sheen on their skin. They still had the fuzz. It wasn't perfect, flat, plasticky toy. Yeah. Um, except King Tekka's hat that I hated. hated it so you hated much. his dumb eagle helmet? His beak his... on his helmet that literally looked like plastic. It's a resin. You say like resin, but I'm like, they wouldn't have made that. That's just ridiculous. No, they would have. They did all kinds of stuff with cool resins. <sighs> I made that up, but it's yeah. real. <laughs> I hated it. it. It really looks like plastic and really drove home that toy, toy aspect. Quality. It just took me out a little bit. The character designs are really cool. There's a lot of contrast in the so characters. So much variety, yeah. So, so much, much variety. Between the different 
yeah. different characters, different peoples. Yeah. Like, yeah. They got, you know, big guys like King Tekka, and then they got Maya, and, like, a lot of the women warriors that are, like, small build up top and build big build in the lower bottom yeah. area. They got thick power thighs. Thick thighs. Could squeeze the life out of any you barbarian. got a lot of, like, skinny, like, Incan tribal, like, archers. Yeah. Very, like, head on a pole, basically. Yeah. Um, then you got those guys like the ref in the fighting pit, who was basically a potato with arms and legs. Yeah. You got it was the, great. You got the Grand Bruja, who's just a big hump with, like, a giant nose that sticks yeah. out four feet. That Ren and Stimpy nose. Yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> and, like... The yeah, nose they was of nightmare fuel. Well, and like, noses on a lot of them were just super weird. That's where they really pushed that cartoony weirdness. Weirdness. Yeah. Like they were getting weird with some characters, which I liked. Like it was cool. Yeah. I don't hate it. Yeah, so that was interesting. And again, that like profile view where the Gran Bruja or like the jungle god where their head is always kind of in profile view. You can always see both nostrils. You can always see both nostrils, and then they flip, and then it's the same on the other side. Yeah. And, you know, I'm yeah. sure that would have been yeah. interesting the to deal with animating. Mouse treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that would have been interesting to try and, like, animate. Yeah, it's nice, I'm sure, to have those situations where, like, you have to cheat. Yeah. You know? For sure. Like, how do I do this? I just cheat it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't even matter. And then, do you want to talk about the 2D that was in the show? Because there was 2D in the show. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful 2D sequences. Yeah. Anytime, not anytime they went into a backstory, only in the first couple episodes, really. They didn't do as much 2D later on. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. It is. They started it in 2D. Yeah. So as a, as like a storytelling mechanism, mm-hmm. in the beginning, when they, when they, when Maya is speaking about the prophecy and laying down the premise, basically the whole kind of sequence is shot in a 2d kind of paper cutout style yeah uh that was really beautiful yeah then we cut a little later in the first episode to her three brothers bringing her gifts for her quinceanera that they all got and as they're explaining how they each got her a gift it goes into another style of 2d kind of cutout animation mm-hmm. where they are all 3d characters on this weird paper 2d background that also look beautiful yeah then i believe in the next episode where yeah. maya is explaining her her plans to go on her quest after discovering the real prophecy she's explaining to her parents and that whole thing is done in a super cute 2d sticker like chibi sticker cutout yeah. style that is also beautiful yeah like um, sticker star paper mario cute. yeah yeah i yeah, love those that those was great. great and i think that was really pushing forward this is the plan and the imagination of a child like this is a child trying to illustrate a plan in their mind and this is what it would look like that's why they they made that one as juvenile as possible yeah yeah. (laughs) that makes sense yeah because she's you know Um, i mean she's 15 she's 15 she's still a kid so yeah like it's young teen but still yeah that was really cool and i think like for the most part they did a lot of special effects and stuff some with sort of more flat 2d like they did a lot of yeah like video game video game stuff. and comic book style effects yeah for sure there were a lot of cool like always in the fight sequences yeah yeah cool like swooshes or like mm-hmm. impacts yeah um, swooshes impacts different camera angles in pieces on the screen oh yeah doing that comic book the like, comic panel book, yeah. yeah panel pan, panel Thank pans you. basically like yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. If they were, like, running really fast, they'd make all the speed lines, lines go by. Yeah. And again, notice, maybe, I don't know if it's just because I noticed this stuff more in the beginning, or it was more prevalent in the beginning than later on in the series, like this kind of stuff. I I enjoyed all of this stuff. I thought it was cool. But a part of me wishes that, like, if they had just kind of stuck to one theme, one extra thing to make the 3D, fil- the 3D filming cool, it's like they were trying to go a lot of different ways. Well, yeah. Because you can almost forget about them because there's so many different things that they did. They did the 2D flat stories. They did the video game stuff where they title card introduced every, like, underworld character. Yeah. But they didn't do it for the other characters. And then they did, like, the video gamey speedline stuff. Yeah. They did the x-ray shots of, like, Maya's arm being broken. Yeah. Which was a big they theme. a whole bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> she, she dislocated the same arm, like, four times. Well, I mean, once you can dislocate it, you can dislocate it, right? I yeah. Think that was her thing, is, like, she's got a trick shoulder, and she can use it to her advantage. Yeah. And one thing that you pointed out early on in the series that you loved was the frame breaking. Yeah. Uh, this was shot in a widescreen with the black bars on the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. But at every point throughout the show, they were a part of the the layout, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, they... so to really push that exaggeration, you see it in the very first episode. King Tekka goes, da, da, da. And on the third da, his whole head pops forward in front of the black edges of the screen yeah whoa that kind of like 3d thing and it's so fast that on a first like you won't even necessarily notice it i didn't notice i want to say that i may have not even noticed the whole time had you not pointed it out early yeah but at the end they used it way too much yeah like they they overused it to the point that i was like give it a rest yeah i don't i'm not enjoying this anymore like it's not giving me anything like just stop they overdid it yeah yeah like they they could have at first it was pretty cool and they could have kept it you know really tasteful and appealing but then they just yeah, they pushed much. it too hard yeah yeah these are all cool mechanics but you don't normally see so many all in like one thing yeah. and i think maybe they were just trying to do too many things trying to do too many plot lines trying to get too many characters in and gods in trying to get yeah. just so many mechanics in like well, there's just too much you have a series where your entire last episode and you've got like basically hour-long episodes and the whole last episode is a battle yeah you know you're thinking like oh well we put these things in whenever it's a big action sequence well there's a whole hour of action sequence yeah so if you're going to keep putting these things in, it's going to get tiresome yeah. pretty quick. Well, it's going it to lose. Did. Yeah, it's going to lose all of the sparkle and all of the thing that made it cool in the beginning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Something like Spider-Verse has very clear themes and they use new mechanics that like a lot of people hadn't used before. And they put all those like comic book fun stuff I didn't like Spider-Verse at all. What? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What? Spider-Verse was great. It's a whole other... <laughs> it's a whole, whole other, other beast, category. but, like, as an example, they used the theme, and they used it throughout. And yeah. they just they they had they that consistency. One. Everything was very... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had multiple mechanics. The main ones were used consistently, and they had purpose. <sighs> Spider-Verse was a masterpiece. Yeah. I don't want anybody emailing us <laughs> about What this. is a bitch like Spider-Verse? <laughs> Um, yeah, this was very busy. It was convoluted. Yeah. It got muddy. You know, 
It got and pretty. It really dragged through too, in the middle. They, they had so many different things that they were doing, yeah. and they all could have been pretty cool, but they just it it just wasn't handled well. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the director's fault mm-hmm. or if that's individual like you know uh, supervisors or you know department managers along the way who were. You know, I was, it, but it was just too much. And I think it was just. I thought it didn't work altogether. I think it was too ambitious. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just too ambitious, and like, you know, go big or go home. I guess it's but not like... Jorge's first project. It's not like yeah. he needed to put all his eggs in that basket. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's been doing a lot of stuff. I don't know why he just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little like... too much. Still enjoyed the series. Glad I watched it. It was interesting to analyze because they brought in so much stuff. Yeah. Um, You feel like you're, like, drowning in techniques, like... Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Before it became tiring, I did like that they popped out of frame. You really liked the... Some of the comic booky lines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the take on, like, Maya's dislocated arm in the beginning. Yeah, I like that dislocated arm thing. Mm -hmm. I like the way when her and a cat were fighting and they were running around the tree. And it was just showing... The, the backs of them running after each other but all these like speed lines were arcing around yeah. so you knew that they were running around a cylinder like i thought that yeah. was cool they had that rolling floor grid yeah yeah, yeah. That, was, that was well well used yeah um and then you know, like there was a lot of really cool things a lot of cool fighting a lot of cool mm-hmm. cool weapons stuff. cool weapons yeah. yeah some cool effects um cool well and something we didn't mention too is that the weapons which, again, I think this was a very thrown together idea, but the weapons of Maya and the three all became golden talismans by yeah. the end. They were all enchanted and, you know. Which made no sense other than the fact that they were that because that was part of the prophecy. There was no necessary yeah. reason. Like, Maya, like the Eagle Warrior weapons, they all kind of like glow, um, kind of based on. Um, the fight in you and everything, which is like cool. The, all the glowing like weapons and stuff were cool, but the fact that the other people's weapons g- glowed it made no it sense. They also, never explained yeah. it. Yeah, well, and, like Chimmy acquired this like super special bow that the King of the Jungle Lands had. Yeah, that uh, for some reason he had and was going to give to the best warrior, and she ended up being the best warrior. And then he was like, "Oh, it's that stupid albino. We're not going to give it to her." And then she just <laughs> took it by force because um, she's a badass. And then, what was um, Pichu's was cool. again? Uh, Pichu's was just his dead parents' axes. He just picked them up. And they were and glowing. They were, and then they were magical. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Rico's Stefan, yeah. uh, which was a great character. And, and yeah. in his own right, yeah, Stefan should be the greatest staff of all time. And it should glow, but should it have glown gold like everyone else's? I don't think so, because his peasant magic is purple. Yeah. They kind of just, they brought it at the very end. They were like, get out your talismans. And they, like, the camera pan and had all of their faces together and with their weapon. And they were all glowing gold. And I was like, no, you threw this together. Again, like, just a lot of little things that they just, they just threw in there. And this was all fed, all fed to us, you know? Yeah. It wasn't any kind of cool, we didn't come to like, (gasps) oh. the realization that they have all of their weapons are actually like golden glowing talismans for this reason. Yeah. It was just said that that's what it was. Yeah. Like, are they going to have a spinoff show now where they explain the origin of the weapons? <laughs> like, Yeah. 
they were all forged by Apush in the heart of the volcano or something <laughs> stupid. Like, Apush. Yeah. Uh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we started doing this thing so we could geek out about animation. Yeah. And, uh, and we got a little bit of that. I'm not sold. No. If someone was like, hey, should I watch it? I would still say, yeah, watch it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do star ratings. I'm going to give this thing. Okay. 3.5 stars. Out of five? Out of five, yeah. And I'm generous. I'm always too generous. So, like, it was enjoyable. Yeah. There were a lot of good elements. Um, but uh, storytelling, I was not impressed. Character development, I was not impressed. Um, I'm a, yeah. You know, I'm a self-proclaimed story nerd with yeah. no business being so. But, uh, but you know, I... I want to know that I'm getting good story yeah, and where there was potential to tell the story really well. Mm-hmm. They missed the mark yeah. with me. I did not. It's hard for me because in the beginning I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And we were both feeling that. Yeah. We started off super gung-ho. Yeah. The middle was definitely slow. I didn't even yeah. feel like watching it. No. Uh, which is sucks. And of course, like... like we did because we were, we had to finish it. There's very few series where I will stop watching something. Oh, you something. may have just checked right out? I may have checked out. Uh, I may have. Now, it did... While I wasn't a huge fan of the story or how they told the story, it did wrap up in the end, and things were getting better, and it probably helped that, like, Chimi and, like, Pichu, and, like, there were some better characters that I liked. It was a lot less Maya and a lot more everybody else. Yeah. And, like, I did cry at the end. Quite a bit. <laughs> now... I'm a crier, guys. Okay, that's my yeah, thing. You'll, you'll cry from a cool breeze. I cry at a lot of things, especially animated things. They just get me deep in my soul. So I was moved at the end and just also surprised that they would actually, like, kill off the main characters in a kid's show. Yeah. But... I mean, I was I didn't cry. I was moved, too. It got <laughs> me in the feels. Yeah. But, like, undeservedly so, I still think. Okay. Like, I think, you know... Yeah, Maya made the ultimate sacrifice to, like, save yeah. people. I still think she was an asshole. So, <laughs> Fair enough. You know, it's, it's good. I'm glad she's the son. She does a great job up there. But, uh... Eh. I'm gonna give it a three. See? Even worse than me. Yeah. I'm gonna give it a three. And probably only because the end somehow still managed to move me quite a bit. In spite of itself. In spite of itself. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. Because, yeah. I mean... It looks good. The characters that aren't Maya are pretty lovable for the most part. Obviously, like, I, like, loved Zatz and, like, was very sad to see him die. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. So, because of that, yeah. He gets a three for me. Yeah. And, yeah, I would probably tell people, like, friends of mine that like anima- animated things and needed something that was pretty light, I would say, yeah, watch it. Yeah. It's it's yeah, worth it. it. It's, it's a, a short series and you don't it's have got to got a lot of ideas. It's got a lot of ideas. Too many ideas. Too many. It's got good it's got good parts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth watching. Worth watching. Not worth rewatching. No. And I mean, you know, just to make this podcast, we watched each episode multiple times. A zillion times. Which probably doesn't Except help. for a few in the middle I would have wanted to rewatch and didn't. Yeah. I no. <laughs> think I watched the, the first the three episode. episodes like a zillion times. Yeah, me too. And then the middle to the end, I just like yeah. went through. And then I watched the last episode two times. Right. And uh, really thinking it would be better the second time. It wasn't. No. It wasn't. 
Uh, yeah, I think we can put it to bed now then. So much. Yeah. <laughs> Which Goodbye, is nice. Maya and the three. <laughs> now that we jumped into that rating thing, but did we have any more to talk about? Things like color scheme. Not really. There were a lot of colors. Very yeah. bright. A lot of gold. Very bright. Very colorful. You know, there's nothing to predict for next season because there is no next season. It was snappy, cartoony style or realistic. It was pretty realistic pretty... and also snappy. Yeah, pretty realistic. I'd say with movement and everything, I think they really sold weight. Like just the idea of weight of the characters, like the things that they were holding, even their like big giant earrings and stuff the way that they moved yeah like this is getting you know animation specific which is why we exist yeah they <laughs> so. uh it they this i could see the weight i could see the weight in the weapons i could see the weight in the armor i could they yeah. did a good job it was yes. animated beautifully yes and yeah, like i agree if you are into animation for the sake of animation then that's totally a reason to watch it yeah. and to like see the principles in play and to just absorb it all yeah it was good yeah a lot of really good animation yeah a lot of really good techniques just mm-hmm. way too many just too much um yeah too too many and too overdone yeah save a few um, for your other series yeah you know have i think he he thought of all of these ideas and used all of them when he yeah. should have probably put them on a list and then been like what's your top three yeah. Not what's your top 20 <laughs> or whatever it was. Even like the comedic aspects, like a lot of them were really good. A lot of them were really bad. Yeah. Um, there were some terrible jokes. Yeah. You know, terrible lines. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you being here. And I hope you look forward to more episodes and more series reviews. Yeah. We don't even know what we're going to do next, but it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We it's have so many ideas. Than a three for sure. <laughs> We just don't know which one will be next. Yeah. That's it for this episode. <laughs> it's been moderately amusing. Moderately amusing. I like that. Thank you for listening. If you have as much fun with these episodes as we have making them, consider following us on Instagram and Twitter at Evening with an Artist. Get up to date news on future events, episodes, and more. You can also check out our website, eveningwithanartist.com, for a look at previous recordings, interviewees, news, and upcoming shows. We would love to hear from you, so send us a DM on Instagram or email us at jordanandrich at eveningwithanartist.com. Don't forget to join our community on Discord and see where it all started. Here, you can chat with other members and submit your interview questions. Did you enjoy the music? All the tunes on our podcast were created by our music man, Dougal Dawson. To learn more about Dougal and listen to an uncut version of the Iwa tunes, you can find him on our website. If you'd like to support the show, visit the donation page on our website, linked throughout all our social media, to help fund equipment, production, and guest speakers. Until next time. I've been Rich. I've been Jordan. And this has been Evening Evening with with an an Artist. Artist.